Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. My name is Phil. Joining me as usual, I've got my co-host and partner in crime, Rohan. Good morning. Hello, good morning. And joining us from the US is Will. Welcome. Hello. This episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasset. Easily access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the Home Assistant and ESP Home projects. Configuration is done by the user interface, so there's no fiddling with router settings, SSL certs, or any other YAML. Rohan, it has been quite a while since we've done one of these, but today we are doing a Spotlight episode, and I think it's a uh, pretty good episode to do one on. Will's reached out to us uh, on feedback at housepodcast.io, letting us know know, something really cool uh, he's using Home Assistant with. So, Will, why don't you uh, introduce yourself, tell us whereabouts in the US you are, and, and what you're doing with Home Assistant. Uh, so I'm Will. I'm a professor at uh, Drexel University College of Medicine, and I use Home Assistant to track the COVID uh, pandemic here at Drexel uh, using a, a really cool sequencing machine. Yeah, sounds pretty fancy. So basically, you're using Home Assistant in the fight against the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So I guess for I am not a scientist, I have no idea what sequencing means. What is yeah. uh, sequencing and, and <laughs> what does that mean, right? Like, are you creating vaccines with this or are you becoming Superman somehow? Uh, it's closer to uh, these new variants that you hear about. Mm-hmm. I'm tracking those, their right. emergence, their prevalence throughout the community yep. and... Uh, trying to predict which new ones may be coming. Mm-hmm. And so I'm guessing, so you've got like machines in your office that, you know, you can uh, run, you know, samples, you know, when people go get a COVID test and you track those. Yeah. So uh, the like process from like nose to, to home assistant, yeah. right, is <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, person thinks they have COVID, they come mm-hmm. in, we shove a, a swab up their nose yep. and uh, on that will be some R will be some virus, right? And then the sample comes back to us. We do a rapid test to just check is there a virus there, so we can tell the patient. Yeah. Um, and then what as sort of epidemiologists or as people who are sort of tracking what's happening, what we also want to know is. You know, you hear about these Delta variants or mm. Lambda variants or the, mm-hmm. the UK variant. Kappa, everything, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and at the moment, we don't really think those matter too much to the patient themselves. One is not any more dangerous than any of the others. Right. But we do like to know, like, are we getting new infections coming in or are we having the same infection over and over? Right. right? So is, is so it mutating we, or not, essentially? Right, exactly. Okay. Or have we gotten the new mutation or are we still dealing with the old one? Mm-hmm. Right. Because right? that that may help us understand whether our our like student population that's coming in, whether we're effectively protecting them from uh, from spread within the community, or is it new things coming from outside the community that are infecting everyone? Right, right. Okay, that's actually pretty interesting. So, have how how have those uh, how have those well how has the study been going? Like, as as in, have you found other variants, anything 
Not not to, I guess, not to freak people out, but whatever you can say, right? Yeah. So what I really do, I'm not really on the on the discovery side. I right. always see myself as like a, a surveiller, right? I sort okay. of think about what what is happening with uh, with the population, and uh, like for example, at Drexel, as of today. Um, as of my most recent samples, the yeah. Delta variant has not arrived here. Interesting. I have samples, oh, interesting. Okay. I, I have samples in the fridge from last week. Yeah. They may, uh, for, for all I know. And interesting. Okay. As, as our student population comes back, right, that may, um, we'll, we'll sort of just, you know, want to keep an eye on things mm-hmm. so that we could perhaps catch an outbreak before it gets worse. Mm. Right. Gotcha. Um, okay. So, so you're, and uh, you mentioned that you're doing this in, in the context of the community, not, not necessarily just the school itself, just like kind of the area. Uh, for me, it's just the, uh, it's just the student population because gotcha. that's the samples that I that come in with, but people right. use this technology uh, in a public health setting on a larger scale as well. Okay. So that's pretty cool then. So, so uh, where is, so, so what's the, uh, so what are you doing with, that and home assistant essentially that's so um the thing we have to do uh to measure these variants to understand which one it is is we actually have to read the genome of those viruses okay and there's a technology from uh, a company called oxford nanopore they make a, a tool called the min ion it's a sequencer that's like fits in your hand, like okay. literally it fits in your mm-hmm. hand. It connects to a USB drive. Um, like it's just a USB dongle. Yeah. And you can uh, put, you know, these genomes after you've done some chemistry to them, you can put them in and it will actually read that DNA. Wow. And it, it's like a tool for engineers. So yep. it's, um, what's the best way to describe this? Like a scanner for DNA, essentially. Yeah, yeah, a scanner. Yeah, that, <laughs> sure. that's not a bad, a bad description. Yeah, it, yeah. It just reads it like a ticker tape. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's cool. When Home Assistant, because it it's just uh, it's just like a USB dongle, Home Assistant can interface with the same tools that it interfaces with. It runs a uh, G. RPC server um, that like tells you how many bases you've read so far or how many bases you've read from each sample. And I can watch the machine as it goes. When I've read enough DNA, I can actually stop it and uh, and be done. Right. And that can take Mm -hmm. four hours. But I may not know when it's going to be done before I start. Right. Home Assistant lets me monitor all of these things live and say, oh, sample two, three, four, and five. I've read enough of them. I pause it. And then I can save the rest of the reagents for that run, right? Making each one cheaper over time. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So, and can you like automate that in home system as well? Like when it gets to a certain level, like you can send your notification or something. That's exactly what it does now. Awesome. Uh, so the, the, like, 
stock tools that that this thing uh, ships with, you uh, you you guess. You say how how long do you want it to run for? Twenty four yeah. hours. Yep. And you set, and then uh, right. you have to wait. Uh, it will run twenty four hours, and then you might have to wait another day or two for it to like analyze the data. Mm-hmm. What I use Home Assistant to do is as the run is going every hour, it processes what it has. Right. Then another cool. hour later, processes what it has. Right. Interesting. And then when I have the answer, I can say, "Hey, I have the answer." Right. Right. Stop so collecting. if you let's say you said in your in the original stock standard system, you said, "All right, um, run this for twenty four hours." You would have to do it for a minimum of twenty four hours, and then wait another twenty four hours to get the results back. For example. Yeah. But now with Home Assistant, you're saying every hour check the result and um, process it for an hour, and then after that, all right, yes, I have enough data here to make a uh, an answer, or if I don't, keep going for another hour and, until you've got to enough data there to say yes this is the answer i've I've got here exactly nice so that must make like it a lot more efficient like in terms of instead of it now being a you know a test that takes 24 hours plus 24 hour event like processing time you could potentially turn something down to you know like three hours plus three hours or six hour um turnaround time uh and the the like processing time mm-hmm. i can use home assistant to automate running as it goes oh, nice. so i don't have to wait to the end right i can oh, actually run it midway through yeah um uh, and like i use home assistant in my home life um yep. and i start i got this device and I was trying to figure out how do I make a cron job to automate <laughs> running this Python script? Yeah. And then how do I then make a notification to right. turn this off? And then I'm like, wait, I, I have Docker on this. Yeah. Why don't I just make a home assistant? And then, you know, and home yeah. assistant work now. Yeah. yeah. And, and so awesome. I've seen um, in some of the screenshots that you sent us, like you've actually got a, so now you've got a, like a, a dashboard as well inside mm-hmm. home assistant. So you can, and monitor things in real time. What, what 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 sort of details do you have on the dashboard that makes sense to you? Um, so one of the like chemistry tricks that we do mm-hmm. uh, when we run the DNA through this machine, um, we can run many samples at the same time by putting a short barcode uh, on the beginning. Okay. Right. Uh, so as the DNA gets read, the first 12 base pairs tell it this strand belongs to sample one. Okay. This strand belongs to sample two. That way, when we put 12 of them in the machine, we can read 12 at once by like splitting them on the back end mm-hmm. into the right bucket. One of the complications of that is we have to put the same amount of each in the machine. Otherwise, it will read way more from barcode one than from barcode two, if -hmm. there's way more of DNA strands. And with Home Assistant, because it monitors as it goes, I can see how many I've gathered from each of those barcodes. And if there's some that are lagging behind, I can actually go in the back, mix up the ones that are lagging behind, pause the machine, 
add it, start the machine, and then fix the problem that I made. That's interesting. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, because on the screenshot, I noticed there was some stuff where you're like, you kind of said this is a bad run, right, of whatever. So yeah. that, I guess that was kind of not really where it was supposed to be. Exactly. Um, yeah. It helps me sort of diagnose these problems mm-hmm. in like the first hour when I can still fix them. Rather than waiting 24. Of, instead of, yeah, two days later. Yeah, um, yeah. And then being like, oh, I have a thousand times more of these two samples than the others. And so now I can't get the answer for those other two samples because I didn't actually read enough of them. And so I have to do those two again, right? Which is another two days. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. I'm I'm really surprised that, you know, it kind of came down to you being like, how's a better way of doing this? And you know, let's run it through Home Assistant. Let's do do that kind of thing. You would have thought like a manufacturer would have been like, hey, this is something that we can actually do pretty uh, like efficiently built in our software or whatever, instead of you having to go through and do all of this extra, extra stuff, right? You know, I think it's a lot like, um, like we see in the Home Assistant space that you make a product that works mm-hmm well for most people and most people don't want to do the crazy things most people are willing to wait two days yeah but you know for people who are who who want to do something different at least they offer like an api that's like documented which is actually wicked yeah uh, you can actually play with uh they can actually do everything the machine that their ui can do Hmm. you can do through this api that's Uh, really cool okay so it's like, it's, it's, you know, again, we, we talk about this all the time on the show, just, you know, about people opening it up and, and kind of giving you that ability to do whatever. But it's, it's really cool that in the professional, like medical world, typically, you know, you hear medical and you automatically slap a label of like, this is going to be just $10 billion and it's gonna, it's gonna, you know, it works the way they say it works kind of thing. Right. Is that's typically the notion you get. So, and there, there are those things. So mm-hmm. uh, I bought a Minion sequencer. It was a thousand dollars. Yeah, so, like cheaper than some stuff we buy for our home assistant. Oh, for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and I got that. We have in our um, in our sequencing center. We have maybe four other pieces of technology that are different, but try to do yeah. the same thing. Um, that are more like that. They're more okay. Y- you buy an Illumina sequencer. Yeah, it's a box. Everything is inside the box. <laughs> you put. There's only one way you put your sample in. Yeah. Um, but. There's always somebody you can call on tech support. Yeah. You know, you, you spent $200,000 on this machine. There's somebody mm. who picks up the phone. Yeah. Um, so the, there is sort of that space too. I, you know, probably because I'm a home assistant person, I gravitated yeah. to the one that was a little bit more like, oh, that's you just plug it in. And cheap and DIY. It <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. That's, that's amazing. It's, uh, uh, yeah. It, it's become the way that we uh, do our rapid tracking here at Drexel. Mm-hmm. That you know, this thousand dollar with Home Assistant type thing is how yeah. we track. Has it is the only thing that's really fast enough to sort of track things. 
Our other technologies are much better for when you have 500 samples mm -hmm. and you want to run them all at once. Yeah. That's, and they're cheaper that way in sure. the sort of economies of scale. Yeah. But you want rapid things. You got to do something else. Yeah. That's so I guess, so you're obviously, you know, doing this testing to find out, you know, where the variants are. So how often um, are students, like as students for these test results that students have to give in when they come back to the university or um, is it just, you know, as someone thinks they've got cold and flu symptoms, they go get a test and it comes to your lab to see what's going on in the community? So here at Drexel right now, the, yep. the rules change uh, by, by email. Depending on which way the wind's blowing, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, they unvaccinated individuals are getting surveillance testing i think every two weeks mm -hmm. and then students or members of the community come in um if they if they have symptoms and, and can get yep. a test yep that makes sense so we get at the moment maybe 200 ish tests every couple weeks yep um, and maybe 8% positivity, 4 to 8%, depending on the day. And the samples that you that you run specifically through Home Assistant, do you know that they are positive for COVID-19? Yes. Yep. So you're only yeah. interested in the positive results to do the sequencing on? Because what um, we do a rapid test mm -hmm. ahead of this yep. to – because if only 8% of them are positive – then if I ran this protocol on any random sample yep. out of yeah. 12, I might get one. And that's not really going to be all that. Mm -hmm. And that's very expensive yeah. relative to the rapid test, with this, which is cheap. Yep. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And and you're tying up the machine for a while, right? Or you're, you're mm. yeah. um, box for a little bit. So Yeah. So you've got notifications um, done for Home Assistant now. What mm -hmm. other, like, have you got any other automations or that can be done through Home Assistant? Like, can Home Assistant, you know, take out and put in the next, you know, disk for you to start you know, testing, I guess? Um, that would be cool. Uh, I don't have a robot attached yet, uh, but perhaps. Right. Okay. Uh, as long as it's on the future plans, as long as it's on the roadmap, that's we that's right. that. Right now, Will is a robot. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yes, exactly. Um, so mostly it does, it can pause the run mm -hmm. um, is the most thing I've been able to get it to do. So it can do that automatically? Yeah, because there are a couple of uh, like obvious failure modes that the mm -hmm. machine has that you can, with Home Assistant, very easily sort of spot. Um, right. As the DNA gets read through these pores, it takes energy, they call it fuel. If you start running out, it slows down and the server actually sends out a measure of how fast everything is going through these pores. When it drops below a particular level, I just tell Home Assistant to pause the machine and send me a notification mm -hmm. through, uh, through, through the app. Yep. Yeah. And then I can go in and add a little bit more juice and then hit the unpause button, and then it keeps going, right? Mm. Instead of continually running lower and lower and lower and getting yeah. slower and longer and longer, and longer. So, yeah. So, yeah. So you've just exactly. got a threshold there that says if past this point, if lower yeah. than this, then pause. And then... Yeah. Uh, I think I took somebody's blueprint uh, nice. that was like 
uh, you know, sensor above or below a value, send notification, actual notification. I just one to the other and it went. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that you use a blueprint for it too. It's there. Yeah. Hey, why not? I I agree with you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so have you set up anything like a remote connection so that you can, you know, monitor how it's going, you know, from home or wherever else you are? So I, uh, I just bought it a, a Nabucasa account. That's the way to um, do it. Nice. Yeah, it, it was just easier. Mm-hmm. The, the server is behind our, like, Drexel College of Medicine yeah, firewall. Like, good luck and, getting a, a hole punch through that firewall, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't even want to. <laughs> didn't even want to ask. Uh, the, the easier thing was was the secure way. So yeah. That's so that's what are you what are you doing, and why is it on one of our computers inside the? Yeah. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Don't Open yourself up for a full it. audit. Yeah. We, we, do you want a um an, an alias so when we put this podcast out, the they don't come knocking on your door. <laughs> Uh, no, this, <laughs> this is Bob. Yeah, this is Bob. Yeah, uh, uh, I can know. I can totally imagine. Like, how would you get in that such a secure like environment? Right, like, there's no way you would get yeah. a whole bunch so of firewall. We have, and then, yeah, we yeah. we have a VPN that mm-hmm. I use to uh, you know place my home computer on their yep. network through whatever secure tunnel they make. Uh, that I can use to access Home Assistant. I use to access all my other servers. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once I log off, that disappears. Yep. So it was easier to just make a, yeah. make, and then make I guess a remote. It works with like the Home Assistant app on your phone. So, you know, you can get yep. like the push notifications. It's just, yeah, you don't have to be connected to a, a VPN on your phone all the time to get those notifications. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And you, you can go at start a test go out for a coffee, whatever, come back and ding, it's done, right? And- yeah, and it it helps me, like, start something and then not, mm-hmm. like, fiddle with it and watch the the stock UI, which is, you know, not designed, you know, not mm-hmm. laid out in an sure. optimal way for what I want to do. It doesn't quite have all the numbers that I need. So taking the data that the server makes and using home assistant templates to convert things yep. it was, it was just easier. It was, it was just easier than, than any other solution that I found. Yeah. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. No, that's that's awesome. I it's to me again. This is we we always say this, right? This is the kind of cool stuff with Home Assistant where you use it as a automation platform, essentially, right? Where yeah. you take this and you know do whatever you want with it, right? I mean, it, I, it's called Home Assistant, but obviously the the power here is really around uh, using it for as an automation tool, just in general, rather than having to go in like you said, set up like cron jobs on a Linux machine and you know, do this, do that, whatever. You've got this base platform that's, that does this really well, right? It can interface with other stuff really well too. Like you said, it's just a USB uh, device that you plug in. 
and and off you go. Yeah. Uh, so I had a question. Mm-hmm. I've, I, I'm the the way I have managed to integrate it. Uh, I'll say that is uh, they have they have a Python API um, that I just wrote Python scripts that interface with their Python API, um, generates a, a JSON file, which I then have Home Assistant read through like a command line, uh, mm-hmm. command line sensor or whatever it is. Yeah. So the command line sensor calls a Python script, which calls their API, which gives me a JSON, which I then like grab into attributes. Nice. Um, are there any integrations that natively talk to gRPC servers? Because I have, they, they offer um, like the protobuf files, they offer all of the description of their API, mm-hmm. but I can make Python scripts. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> that's, yeah. That's about the extent of my uh, I mean, uh, skill at, the, at that I'd, level. I'd be more inclined to say if what you've got is, you know, working, don't fix it, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna... <laughs> yeah it's, I haven't seen anything with gRPC in general, but I, and I just did a quick just home oh, assistant an io like, yeah. grpc search right and and it didn't come up anything but yeah like i don't i don't the protobuf might be uh yeah i i did some no. basic googling but couldn't quite find anything and wondered if you had uh seen anything oh. in your travels i'm sure if there will be someone that is listening to this podcast that will so yeah we'll, we'll forward it on uh feedback at haspodcast.io if you want to help will in that venture but if it's just like a a server on something surely um there must be like something that could integrate you know and just push something over to home assistant via like a webhook or something like a um uh, like either mqtt or something just create a little web web server to i think there's there's some stuff so in in like I mean, in for me, work-wise, right, in, in technology. Mm. So wireless, uh, wireless controllers. Some of our wireless controllers use uh, gRPC to as a mechanism to send telemetry um, of you know what's your what's your RF interference levels and whatever, right? Um, so there is a way actually. So you can take all of that stuff, uh, dump it into InfluxDB and Grafana. Right. There may be a little bit of work there in the middle that you need to do. Um, I think maybe Telegraph can ingest gRPC. So um, and and so essentially what I had done at some point was I just built a dashboard for uh, wireless uh, wireless monitoring. Right. And essentially from there, it basically says, OK, here's your RF levels and here's whatever right? no, signal noise ratio for, you know, what the hell is going on, whatever that is. But. Essentially, you can take that and then, because I do believe there is a um, Grafana integration and uh, a integration for um, Influx. Influx. Uh, yeah, there is like it, an Influx it, DB sensor that's like, I think you can write a query in, yeah. for Influx yeah. and it can build a sensor yeah. in Home Assistant for. Yeah. Yeah, but it needs to be two way. I'd have to think about. Yeah, maybe what I really just need to do is find a computer science student who needs a a, a senior senior there design project and yeah, exactly. make, a, make a real integration instead of... Uh, yeah. yeah, and then put it on GitHub and open source it for everyone yeah. to use. Yeah, exactly. uh, totally. Yeah. If there's yeah. anybody listening, I will... Uh, <laughs> uh, that, that needs a senior design project or whatever, uh, I'd be go. happy to be a virtual advisor. <laughs> 
There you go. Oh, yeah, it's but but it, it's great, right? It's, it's kind of a two way street, right? It helps you out, it helps them out. So yeah, um, I think it's a great opportunity. So there you go, fresh uh, fresh <laughs> opportunity. You heard it here first. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that that's that's something I've seen. But again, like you said, it that my thing was more of a one way, yeah, uh, more just a dashboard that I built, right? But uh, and actually, that didn't even go through Home Assistant. But I'm just saying. You could use Home Assistant to tap in. Yeah. Well, once it would be in influx, it would be easy to to shift it over. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the other thing you could do is you could use Home Assistant as an automation engine where it, you know, kind of does a hybrid of, the bo- of both. So uh, pulls the pulls the data from uh, influx and then runs commands mm-hmm. via the Python API that you said. But then yeah. the cool thing is because it's an influx, you can actually build some really neat dashboards around it with Grafana. Yeah. Right. Um, I saw the uh, yeah. I saw the dashboard you've built in Home Assistant. It actually looks pretty cool. But, you know, Grafana is a tool built for dashboarding in this case. Right. Yeah. So it might be kind of cool not to say that what you have isn't working. I think, you know, but that's the other thing. Right. It's what Phil said is if it if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> yeah, it it it's it's limping. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> Fair. It, it does the it does the things that I needed to do right now well enough. Yeah. Um, that that it was easier to do it this way than else, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that there's a whole lot of other cool stuff that I would love for it to be able to do. Yeah, um, yeah. but just just like it's hard to find home assistant time in our free time lives, it's That's hard right. to find home assistant time in work time <laughs> life. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so, funny. is there any other stuff that is being done with your little? coronavirus testing system that you got so you got like notifications you've got a, a dashboard for your sequencing um you've got automation setup like is there anything else yeah that it does? i i think right now that's probably it there might be some way to do um to to actually like read in the results of the the sequencing, like of the actual identification that I'm doing, nice, yep. um, and say, okay, barcode one came from a patient who definitely has the mm-hmm. Delta variant. Yeah, barcode two, and then you could came send like a, a, an alert, right? Like Delta yeah. is detected, you know, code red. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, send, send yeah. a notification to the school. <laughs> yeah, uh, I report my results to somebody who reports to their results. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because by by the time I get them, they're just strings of numbers to me, right? Yeah. I I can't associate these with individuals. Um, I, I can't even really associate them with what exact time they were sampled, um, right. just because they, they come in yeah. batches. Yeah. Which is, which is, I mean, to some extent is how it should be, right? You shouldn't need to know that this yeah. came from person A. Correct. Uh, so. Because while I am looking for, uh, for, for COVID DNA, I do occasionally get human in that mix as well. And yeah. so we do as much as we can to sort of protect Uh, yeah those privacies yeah yeah which is admirable (laughs) it's it's good yeah just like you think about with 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 data right don't Mm -hmm. don't collect data you don't need because it might leak right and then yeah that's a fair point and and then it's and that is your problem because why did why did you have this birth date associated with this yeah yeah 
Yeah, yep. and well, I'm thinking too. It, what's what's what might be pretty cool is again, even though you, and you don't really necessarily need any of that data. So, because some of what you're doing is does you know sample A match with mm-hmm. known variant or or the original COVID or whatever. I don't know how it's called. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, yeah, that's I'm it. clearly not in science. Um, <laughs> and you know, it just just have some kind of matching there. That's that's automated as well, right? So whether that's you know you're the, you're using some kind of machine learning or whether it's a lot simpler than that, and you just say does this equal this right well that that that's what uh the analysis that home assistant is sort of automating yeah is this sort of it takes all these reads it aligns them to a genome it tells where they're different it uses machine learning tricks to then say like these are changes that are associated with a particular variant so like that happens behind the scenes I just don't re-render that back right. to Home Assistant because I just sort of send that off to to the the diagnostics team and they they take it. They do Interesting. Interesting. So, so, what's on your roadmap then? Like, what what future plans do you uh, do you want to improve with? Uh, I use it for COVID, but also for other um, you know other science mm-hmm. stuff sure. and. Uh, just making it a little bit more flexible in how, when I do COVID screens, I need this information. When I do other experiments, I may need different information. So having some sort of like multiple dashboard system that I can switch between and say, okay, when I'm doing this experiment, I need this data so it's in front of me. When when I'm doing this other experiment, I need other information, have yeah. that in front of me, yep. and then just, you know, switching between. Okay, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Do you do many other experiments apart from COVID at the moment, though? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, so I also work on uh, HIV is my other main yep. sort of research area. I study how um, as as patients age with HIV, right, our our medications allow them to live longer. Mm-hmm. They get neurocognitive decline more rapidly than people who don't have HIV. Right. I study how the virus that they're infected with may be making some patients progress worse than others. Interesting. That's cool. And and do you use the same technologies for that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So we. Uh, HIV, we just we just read it uh, in the same on the same sequencer. Then we have a collection of patients that we do uh, neuropsychological tests on, mm-hmm. you know, to see uh, are they declining as they age, and then we just try to match all the people who are declining faster. Their virus looks like this, or all the people who are declining slower their virus looks like this. Interesting. Mm. That's actually pretty cool. And I, I guess that, that kind of works kind of across the board. I mean, I, I know your focus is, you said, is on mm-hmm. uh, COVID and HIV, but, you know, no matter what it is, really, it's kind of templatizable almost, right, in terms of the process. Yeah, we do, like, there, there's a whole, I would call it bioinformatics. Sure. There's like a whole field of biology that tries to look at, you know, you have one genome or you have like 
differences and how are those differences associated with disease. Right. Mm. And this is sort of a generic technology that allows you to measure what those differences are. And then you combine that with other data yeah. to understand, do those differences mean anything? Right, right. That's really cool. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I bet. So what made you, like, I guess, you know, this is a chicken and egg question. So did you start using Home Assistant for, you know, your work or did you, were you using Home Assistant first at home and then you sort of found a use case to bring it back into your work? Um, I started Home Assistant at home. Um, mm-hmm. Just, uh, you know, I was in the pre-Lovelace time. I, nice. I nice. remember I remember spending, you know, two weeks getting my my views right. <laughs> yeah, and putting and everything then, in the right groups and, and putting it, yeah. yeah. And then two weeks later, Lovelace comes out. And I'm like, Ugh. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That, that inevitably happens every time. Like, it's, it's the same thing happened to me and, you know, it's whatever. But it's, uh, that's awesome. So how long have you been using it then? um dot 86 i think mm-hmm. okay um so just before I, lovelace <laughs> yeah i think just before <laughs> lovelace uh so is that how old are we now uh six years four oh, years gosh, i don't know uh yeah something like that well i mean the podcast is what four years we just mm, we'll, yeah. almost okay so, okay so we'll say three-ish three or yeah. four okay that's pretty yeah, good that, that that general vicinity um and what well, was 0.86 was when uh, Lovelace came out, and that was uh, January 2019. Yeah. Okay. So there okay. you go. We're not that old. <laughs> We're not that old. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I, um, you know, my my science career, I guess, has always been in the sort of merging of computers and biology. Yeah. And. You know, when I was a kid, that was all about, you know, making graphs off of the pedometer data or something like that. Sure. Like, oh, look, I, I walk more on Thursday than on Friday. And <laughs> yeah. Why? I, I don't know, but I have a graph. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then a home assistant was this way that I could make a graph of anything. That, that I could get into home assistant. And then, and, and then that was it. And then I was hooked. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's awesome. So, what what are you doing around the house then? Like, have you got any? What, what's your coolest automations that you're running? Um, I think like everybody else uh, who got stuck uh, in lockdown, we all made meeting uh, automations to, <laughs> to turn off to turn off the dehumidifier, to adjust the lights, <laughs> yeah. to to tell other people that were that were on the phone. Um, so I used somebody's, uh, there's a Zoom integration in Hacks that you mm-hmm. can make a, yep. like a Zoom app that it talks to and gives you like a presence. So I just, I just did it off of that. Nice. I got, uh, I just installed some Ring cameras. I've been playing around with some of the image processing stuff because yep. I do that type of deep learning as part of my research. Too. Rohan's been doing a lot with delivery oh, drivers. <laughs> this is going to come up. <laughs> Rohan's, so if you need some notes, just ask Rohan. Yeah, yeah, just, uh, yeah. You definitely don't want to do that. <laughs> oh, I, I, I was, I was, the, this might be that I have my, 
some of my boxes are already set up for machine learning type nice. stuff. So yeah. I was able to get like ring MQTT up on a Docker. And then uh, dudes had a Docker that was relatively easy to uh, to install. Yeah. Um, what, what's ring MQTT? Um it's the there's a there's a Hass IO add-on for uh, mapping Ring uh, cameras and integrations mm-hmm. to an MQTT device, um, and then I'm on Docker, so they actually have also a regular old Docker container. Nice. So I just right. do, do, Docker pull, and it yeah. does a two-factor with you. Um, and then it does, it'll let you do snapshots from ring. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And then, uh, direct object detection dudes or whatever is uh, home assistant integration. They also have a Docker hub. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I was okay. going to ask about dudes. I know you mentioned that. So what's dudes do? <laughs> it's a, uh, Docker that runs TensorFlow. Okay, so right. you, oh, that's where it, I from. It, it makes a, a tiny gRPC server. So uh, <laughs> although I think Home Assistant, it, it also has a REST API that I think Home Assistant uses. Yeah. yeah. So whenever you run image processing.scan, it sends you know a, a feed from the camera that goes through its deep learning magic. Yep. And then it gives you a box with a car, you know, mm-hmm. around all the cars or something yeah, yeah. like that. Um, cool. And then exposes that data as like an attribute of the object. Right. So if someone was to put a box around like a delivery van or a delivery driver, they'll be able to get that into home assistant. <laughs> Especially if they were yeah, exactly. and, and their it, name was Rohan. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it. No, this is cool. So, um, well, I have a Ring cameras, but there's obviously the native Ring integration with yeah. Home Assistant. Um, so I don't know what Ring MQTT would do better. Yeah, I wasn't, um, I wasn't able to get it to actually save videos. It might just be that I don't have it set up right. That might also be the problem. Oh. But yeah, I, I find they, like they have there's like an attribute um, the last snapshot or whatever comes in from the ring like as an attribute to the camera um, and then I just I think I use the file downloader in Home Assistant to just pull in that video save it and then ship it off to my NAS for long term storage yeah I, for for whatever reason when I I, I took the same automation we probably yep. copy pasted it from the same place yep, on the exactly. Home Assistant documentation and uh, it Mine gives me a, a 403 forbidden uh, response right. on, in my logs. Nice. And, have uh, you got Ring Premium? Like, have you paying uh, a subscription? I just got it. I have, like, I'm on the 30-day trial mm. thing. So that, yeah, yeah. that might be I think the, that is the thing. That I might think be you the have, track. To have okay. to pay for it to get access gotcha. to the recordings here, which is yeah. why, you know, the cloud sucks, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, I, the Ring MQTT does allows you to do snapshots mm-hmm. and apparently without paying for it because I haven't given them a credit card yet. Um, oh, nice. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'll That's see cool. if I can make that work or I'll, or I'll pay however much. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, if you can do it for free, then there's exactly. nothing yeah. wrong with that. 
Uh, but I think it's still, I assume it's still coming from the cloud. I don't, I don't think it's a local thing no, anyway. I, I think don't it's believe just, it is. Yeah, uh, especially if you're not, I think because Ring doesn't use like, um, or particularly their battery ones, they don't use you know any of the um, standard video protocols, right? Like, yeah. 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 They can't put it into a NAS or something, or a surveillance yeah. station. Or, or yeah, like there's that. no like RSTP or That's the RTSP or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. So, what about any other automations? Any automations for uh, your feline friends? That are, that uh, be yeah, I've been. Um, I made some ESP Home uh, cat feeders nice. that uh, are work most of the time i think is the the way to describe it uh the 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 cats are very persistent when they don't work yeah um you will know but yeah uh i found a somebody on github made uh had an esp home cat feeder i I just sort of googled it yeah um and it, it uses a servo and one of those um like cereal dispensers. Yeah, I was just you, thinking like, like cornflakes kind of thing yeah. at that hotels or whatever. Exactly what it is. So I made a ESP Home, uh, you know, servo controller. Yep. Um, and did some soldering, and uh, you know, it turns. Uh, my problem right now has been that the as the servo turns, sometimes it strips the connection. Uh, with the with the with the part that actually needs to turn yeah yeah um so uh i'm gonna try to convince one of my friends with a 3d printer to uh 3d print me a, a correct like joiner thingamajigger yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that which is the official right. term that they are called yeah that's right yeah, yeah. <laughs> like mount maybe uh, yeah. i don't know um, okay, that's cool. So, and so, what sort of automation schedule would you have that on, though? Like, do they get like fed um, twice a day or something? Or? So, what I did the the uh, the GitHub uh, repo connects it to a Node Red and yeah. then has Node Red do it. I don't trust that my Home Assistant will stay on uh, consistently, mm. so I actually used ESP home. They have, uh, an automation system for, uh, uh, they've just like home assistant. No, yeah. they're, they're yeah. merging more and more as we see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I just have it go off every two hours. It's just a small amount every two hours. Um, and then there's a button so okay. that you can, so that when they bug yeah. you enough, you can push you the, button the button. And just, yeah. 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 Um, and I can uh, call to uh, uh, Google Home I have upstairs and say, yep. feed the animals, and they both go off. <laughs> I think there's an integration with the Home Assistant, like, um, like there's an automated kitty litter um, thing that's now integrated into Home Assistant. There's something that you'll have to buy now. I've just added to this <laughs> That's you. right. Or make. Or make. Or make, uh, yeah. So I, I have uh, those automatic kitter, kitty litter cleaners. Mm-hmm um that a previous version of my home assistant had hooked up to tp links nice. and then i just monitored the 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 energy output yep. to know whether it was uh you could tell when it when a cat was in it because it like would start blinking or whatever and i guess that made the the, yeah. the usage go up just a little bit yep. and then 
uh, when when it would start cleaning, it would go up even more, and yeah. then you could tell that, and I just made a, a state controller in Home oh, Assistant, that's just cool. like an input select. That's yep. funny. That got switched back and forth. Um, and then those TP links got moved to other more important projects. And yeah. yeah. The, no, knowing when the it, it would only observe, so it wasn't all that, yeah, it wasn't it all act. as helpful. Um, you yeah, you yeah. still had to go in and finish up. <laughs> yeah, push the button again. <laughs> yeah. um, but I did learn that our cats tend to go to the bathroom almost twice as often when we're out of the house as when we're in the house. Like, so when we go on vacation, mm. they'll you, they'll run almost twice as many times as when we're uh, as wow. when we're here. That's funny. It's I don't know if it's maybe it's an anxiety thing or something like that, or just like a, or maybe maybe they're like, oh man, I'm finally free. <laughs> uh, but what what I learned from that was to make sure to always clean the litter. Like even if yeah. I'm only going for three days, the litter may last for seven. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if they're using it twice as often. Yeah. And I know I need Doubled to up. be at least a little bit yeah. Yeah, more ahead. So, you know, ob- observing things is always interesting. That's right. You really are all about the data. Yeah. Yeah. We, we all have a million projects in our heads. And they, That's at, it. at some point, yeah. they may be in the in the home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, mine involves FedEx and UPS and so on and image processing. That's been going on for, what, a year now? Something like that, which I haven't even looked at in the last year. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'll say it has <laughs> the image processing stuff has gotten easier lately. Uh, so yes. it, as you come back to it, it might be easier than it was when you thought. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think I may have mentioned on the show, but I don't know. It, it, maybe it was just Phil and I talking. But I was uh, for for a customer of mine. They were actually like because uh, part of the portfolio that I cover includes uh, security cameras. And they were like, hey, you know, we want to be able to blur out people's faces and things like that. And honestly, real time with a pretty quick script that I literally mm-hmm. found on. I literally saw some guy on YouTube being like, this is how you do it. I'm like, okay. And I pretty much <laughs> copied that. And it's like, boom, now all of a sudden I can dynamically like blur out faces. And, uh, you know, I tried it on my webcam and I tried it on my actual camera and it works great. And yeah. it's like, you know, just you're tilting your head back and forth and you just have this like blur box that just yeah. kind of follows you right which is pretty cool yeah but it's it's so true though it, it's the the bar to start has gotten so much mm. lower than even from when i first looked at it and and i mentioned it on the show right like and uh but yeah it, it has i should i really should pick it up again but yeah time yeah it's a problem <laughs> right uh, yeah. Well, Will, awesome. thank you so much for talking to us today and uh, yeah. awesome use case for Home Assistant. Love the the way that Home Assistant is being used to, you know, just help you out sequencing all that data coming in, right? Like, does its job. Instead of yeah. having to write a Python script, you just found a Home, yeah. home Assistant's already written in Python and Home Assistant's a yeah. great automation engine and it just goes to show how versatile Home Assistant is. So, yeah, I think yeah, great use case for it. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, cool. Thanks for having Thank- me on the chat. Thanks, man. No, thanks Appreciate so much it. for coming on. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H A S S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes 
on haspodcast.io. Podcast.io.